Here How's it going? is the man. So I knew you were going to wear that shirt. So <laughs> I, I wore this shirt. Uh, and I, uh, we're, that, I'm, I'm a little jealous because, uh, yeah, I got short change. He only played about four songs, I think, or so. But then I did get to see Bob Dylan. So, yeah, that well, was listen, crazy. Let's 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 quickly chat about this. Uh, this how many times have you been to Farm Aid? Uh, so this was my seventh. Seventh time. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I figured it out. I think it was my 17th time seeing Neil. If I had those farm aids in. Nice. Nice. Well, listen, then the, yeah. um, I've, I've made it my mission now to, to, to go and see him. And uh, I don't know how, I, I guess farm aid came out as soon after I went to San Diego. I think they announced yeah. farm aid and I go, oh, I would have loved to see him there. Cause you can see a bunch of other uh, people there, but, um, uh, do keep in touch with me, David. The next time you know that, uh, yeah, yeah, that for Neil's, sure. Neil's Neil's playing. Well, I still hope time. he, you know, it was one of those things after Jimmy Buffett passed, you know, a month or so ago, you yeah. never know. And I figured if I could just see him one more time, and because I don't know if he's going to tour, you don't know, right? Because he he took that time off during COVID, he was a little careful, he's yeah. only been doing a few select shows, so whether he will do a full tour and play Massey all again who knows right so yeah and I think North it was in North Carolina right Farmade no this year was in Indianapolis oh wow yeah so, so that's, it wasn't that's, that's, that's quite hours. a trek for him that's quite a trek for him because yeah he was he did well, that he, West Coast he, he played the the Roxy 50th anniversary with Crazy Horse like a night or two a couple nights before yeah that that would have been something that would have, anyways, let's invite Greg into this conversation. Yeah. How are you doing, Greg? <laughs> good, sir. Yourself? Yeah, good. good. First off, oh, I love the shirt, Adrian Sutherland. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a setup, setup for one of my questions, buddy. Set yeah. Up right, questions. There you go. First off, congrats on the book. 101 yeah, Fascinating yeah. Canadian Music Facts. Congrats on this. Um, here, here's here's a question I have for you. Um, what's your favorite fact that didn't end up in this book? <laughs> of course, you asked me something right off the top that I'm uh, <laughs> you're going to stump me. But I mean, really, um, I, I don't know if I can think of one right off the top of my head. It's more the fact that there is probably another 101, 201, 1001, right? Like, Initially, I thought it'd be hard to come up yeah. with 101, um, but then you start thinking about it, and yeah, it it's amazing the, the richness of music and history we have in this country, right? And uh, it's so diverse, too, for the most part, and that's one thing I tried to do in this book, and that was, that's where, yeah, probably I left stuff out that... Uh, you know, or maybe facts or things that I, I really, you know, loved or thought of, but it was in that effort to try and have more balance, both regionally, um, mm -hmm. uh, eras, um, diversity in terms of, uh, you know, the artists chosen. So uh, that probably would be it more. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll think of it <laughs> at, at some point, one of the ones I left out, but because I did initially, I did do, I figured that, that I, it'd be easier. I, I think I wrote about 108 or nine or 10 uh, and then figured it'd be easier to cut 
some uh, okay. at the end sure. and the, the public the publisher kind of could help with that say oh you've already got too many of this or i think this one works better and you know oh, that's where the editor really helps with the book too yeah. yeah so so flipping that on its head that question because i am sure you have had many many people come up to you afterwards and go you didn't include this or oh i thought of this or this story uh, do you have one that you've learned since that you're looking forward to for the next book mm-hmm. um well uh, talking to joel uh, rubinoff for the record uh, recently he shared an interesting uh, story about david clayton thomas who i did mm-hmm. feature in the book here about his spinning wheel and how that's kind of still paying his rent so many years later this uh the life of a song right but uh, i guess he told a story that someone had told him about playing this uh you know small hotel in the kitchener waterloo area and um basically it was at a time i guess when he wasn't as it must have been right before that you know kind of smash and it was uh in the kind of mid 60s there and he basically had to climb up on a ladder and put up his own name on the marquee and everything i guess at this place because uh so you know i thought that was kind of fun um you know i recently chatted with uh uh, what's his name mo berg for uh pursuit of happiness and i mean just the whole how that whole album love junk and the song came about i mean i touch on it in the book too about the power of much music i mean the the documentary i haven't had a chance to see i i'm sure you guys probably have because it seemed everyone was at that uh <laughs> the premiere on friday night. yeah but uh, you know that's kind of what i mentioned in the book it was that idea that uh much music <laughs> it gave so much success to so many bands that they might have not been heard on the radio or found success otherwise. And that was a great example with Mo Bergen saying, you guys probably remember that video for mm-hmm. adult now, sure. just shot, you know, low budget and shot in and around Green Street, right Green Street, the bamboo. Yep. Street. And he said, basically, you know, it was a lot of luck. They just decided, Oh, let's film this video. Kind of the same idea as if let's just go grab a pizza. Like it was just like on a whim. They do the video, drop it off at Much Music, and mm-hmm. he thought maybe, you know, the Outer Limits or one of these shows will will play it, but next thing you know, it's in regular rotation, and, you know, that single is huge, and people are going into Sam the Record Man in places and asking for the single, and they don't even have a single. <laughs> so, you know, then they had to get, you know, singles, uh, like a single made, and, right? It, it, those stories are so cool, and, and that's what I tell people, that uh, even it's like this book and my writing and, uh, third book now who would have thought you know but a lot of it is it's hard work for sure but there's always a bit of uh, luck involved in that right place right time for sure but you got to be out there and put yourself in in that place to for some of those uh you know that kind of magic and moment, fortune yeah moment to happen right yeah absolutely is there is there um i know fact number 99 is a neil young fact um <laughs> I, I think it's Neil about Young. it's about uh trains um <laughs> but i'm wondering like do you have a favorite fact maybe a fact that i don't know if it's your your favorite or one that you discovered that that sort of said wow okay this is amazing um yeah i was thinking about that i mean again there are so many that <laughs> Obviously, that's why it's called fascinating because I hope that all of them are 
kind of fascinating, right? Uh, yeah. You know, the the first one in the book, actually, I mean, uh, to me, that was a, a great story that uh, Lyndon Manzer, a Canadian luthier, uh, for those who don't know a luthier, someone who, uh, you know, makes guitars and builds That's guitars. Nice. And, uh, and, and that was a really cool story. I mean, I was chatting with her uh, for another piece I was doing about this uh, guitar that she had put together for the Ukraine and got all these, you know, famous musicians to uh, sign it and pose with it. And, you know, the journey of that guitar. And I said, well, you got any other kind of fun stories or something I might be able to use? And she shared this story of like, she wasn't even, hadn't even started her own business yet. And she was traveling out to California with some friends and she stayed in the, the Bay Area at this friend's place. And it, it just so happened. These friends were uh, living on the property uh, where Santana lived. And yeah. so, you know, one thing leads to another, she gets to meet Santana and then, you know, she heads back off to do her apprenticeship, uh, you know, in Vancouver where she's learning to become a luthier. And uh, these friends phone her up and say, Hey, we, we'd love if you could uh, make a guitar for us that we can give to Santana for Christmas. And she's like, well, yeah, okay. And she did all this research to find out, you know, what he was into and what he liked and everything and crafted this guitar and sent it off to them. And next thing you know, uh, Santana is interviewed by, you know, a guitar magazine and drops her name saying, I got this great new guitar that was made by, you know, Linda Manzer. And she said, you know, that one line or one sentence in that magazine kind of, you know, set my career off, right? And another example of who knows, like she just happened to be and... That's a great and, and story. I, those are the stories, yeah. Those are the stories I always find really cool, right? It's uh, yeah to show, because a lot of people think all oh, these things happen, like, uh, but there is a lot of that, you know, there's a lot to it is what I mean. And a lot of things have to happen <laughs> for, you know, sometimes the success to happen too, so... Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you, you talk about the facts that you know surprised you, and one of the ones that I didn't know as fact seventy nine also includes the Luthier is uh, Colin Cripps, who I've known just like through business and through friends for for yeah. a number of years, and I did mm -hmm. not know the story about the Maple Leaf Forever tree, and that mm -hmm. like I remember I remember it going down, I remember them trying to reuse it, but I didn't realize if you can share what you know Colin and and uh, was it Dan Fox did with that. Or Dave Fox. Yeah, Dave Fox. yeah, that that was a, a number of years back. Uh, a really cool story that, uh, yeah, basically the Maple Leaf Forever um, was kind of known as before we had our national anthem. It was kind of like Canada's, you know, uh, unofficial national anthem. And uh, of course, I should is it Alexander Muir? I think I, I should know that who wrote the song, mm -hmm. um, but. The important thing here and the cool fact is basically there was a tree that uh, was kind of in the east end of Toronto and it was the tree that inspired him to write the song. So it had the plaque and whatever and was people knew about it. And in one of those, uh, you know, brutal storms a few years ago, as we all know, Mother Nature is the boss and uh, this tree was, you know, damaged and uh, felled. And one example where uh, politicians in the city actually were uh, pretty smart and came up with a great idea that, uh, hey, let's try and preserve and save this uh, important uh, piece of Canadian history. And they had all these people submit projects and ideas for what they could do with the wood. 
and uh, Colin uh, Colin Cripps, as you said, who's uh, you know the guitarist for Blue Rodeo now, has been for a long time, and uh, he came up with this great idea. To, worked with a, a luthier friend of his, Dave Fox, and uh, they designed this Maple Leaf Forever guitar. And uh, yeah, pretty cool. They you know had lots of little touches of Canadiana in it, in uh, how they crafted it and the whole concept was that then this guitar would be given to you know a different player um to use for kind of a year at a time and uh oh wow yeah yeah shared around yeah that's that's great cream i don't know if you remember but i took you to that park and we were going to dine alone this is pre-pandemic for uh record store day yeah we passed so by it's, someone's it's, house it's right? the little it's that little park that's in behind like it's sort of a hidden park in Leslieville, north of Eastern, south of Queen, in there. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking as you were talking. I think I've got a picture yeah. of the plaque. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I couldn't remember. Was it was it the tree? Yeah, I took or... you there to show you. That. Yeah. 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 That is that is so true. That is so true. Um, you're going on tour with this book, <laughs> yeah. David. Um, yeah. Talk about that. Your your Kitchener, which which is which is home base for you. Yeah, uh, I think next week. Yeah, next uh, Thursday, October fifth. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to kick things off in my uh, my hometown, Kitchener Waterloo, and uh, at the the main branch of the library. It's where I've uh, had some of my other uh, book launches for the Horseshoe. I had a great event there with uh, mm-hmm. Josh and Andy from the Sky Diggers. Nice. Um, but it's it's just such a fabulous uh, library. I can't say enough about you know, the, in what they offer to the community. I mean, libraries have become such a gathering place mm-hmm. and they've been amazing at reinventing themselves in a day and age where, you know, it's nice to see when I go in there, there's still, of course, it's the shelves are filled with books, but you know, that's not their only reason for existing anymore. They've realized that it's a place there. I mean, the, they have a coffee shop in there. They allow you to right sit and have a coffee. Um, and where I'm doing my event, it's in the basement. They have a beautiful theater. I've done a few vinyl listening parties there for people. Nice. Um, upstairs, they they have a recording studio you can book. Uh, they loan instruments. So, you know, it's just amazing all the, the stuff they're doing. So I'm happy to be doing it there. And uh, I have a local um, media uh, personality uh, that's been in the radio business for a while that will do a little Q&A and a local musician kind of starting out the night. So I think That's it'll be cool. yeah, great, great way to get kind of things going. And like I always do with uh, any event, whatever city I'm in, I try and partner with the local indie bookstore, um, small business in town to provide the book. So in this case, it's uh, Wordsworth that has been, uh, you know, right in Uptown Waterloo for, I'd say at least, you know, 40 plus years. So yeah, for sure. Now you're also taking this to the National Music Center in yeah. uh, in calgary which i've yet to visit my son went a few weeks ago uh when he was out there during the summer holidays um that's gonna be an interesting place to uh, to have this book at um anything special planned as well uh with that one uh, and things are still kind of in the works but uh to me it was kind of a natural uh when i thought of places where i could do something um i've been writing for their online content uh which they call amplify for about you know mm-hmm. at least five years now i think i started a 
a series for them called Record Rewind, where I look back at, uh, oh, you know, nice. seminal Canadian records uh, on their kind of anniversaries. Um, so it's such a cool space. And uh, yeah, I, I think, again, we might try and get a local musician or someone involved. It's uh, going to be a kind of family friendly afternoon programming that they do in their space there. And, you know, maybe again, hopefully get someone from the local radio to come out and, you know, act as the host. So we'll see, but it's going to be a, a, a really fun event and it's a perfect tie-in because um, for those that don't know the National Music Center, in many ways, it's like our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, now it, it has ongoing rotating exhibits, but it's also the permanent home to, uh, you know, the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, the, this book has a lot of uh, stories uh, about some of those uh, people that are in the hall. So it, it, it was a natural to uh, to take the, the book launch there for sure. Nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, want to ask you about one, uh, another chapter of the book. I could, I could sit here. We could do it. We could do hours about the chapters. <laughs> of the book. But um, one of the ones, and it's funny because you were talking about the much doc and we were there and mm-hmm. had a chance to chat with a bunch of people on the red carpet. Uh, I was, I was his camera operator. I never get the, <laughs> I never get the fun parts. Yeah. Operate, like, come on. Anyway, no, seriously though. But Cream uh, had a chance to talk to Denise Donlin. And um, one of the things, chapter 72, you know, much comes out. Um, I think in today's day and age, and it just pains me that we have to talk about this. But in today's day and age, it's just such like there's just so much shit going on in the world. Um, I, I love the story Denise shared. Mm-hmm. And it harkened back to reading that chapter in your book. Can you share a bit about that story? Yeah. Bef- yeah oh, David, before before you go, oh. David, I had asked yeah. her just just so that, you know, oh, yeah. um, I had asked her, what's your favorite much memory? Oh, yeah. And right. and she said. Uh, the much the much comes out initiative getting you know being the first broadcaster in Canada to be to have a float uh, at the gay pride parade uh, and she did she didn't have to think about the answer she knew right away that that was her mm-hmm. answer um, and it just so happened that after I spoke with her I was you know continuing to go through your book I came to that fact yeah. and I go oh my goodness that's in the book as well but yeah please go ahead yeah, well, I mean, you you basically reference it there. I mean, Denise Donlin, I mean, a real trailblazer uh, herself, uh, yeah. you know, rose in the ranks in the music industry and uh, much music uh, for her. I mean, you can think about all the the incredible things that she's done and people she's interviewed. And as you said, for her, though, this is what she shared with me as well, that basically, you know, back uh in i'm trying to remember i think it was late kind of 80s um is when it happened so it was uh it was it was much music um wanted to have a float uh one of the, her colleagues in the uh the toronto gay pride parade and mm-hmm. uh you can think like you said greg unfortunately you know this at this time there's still dissenting voices and people that uh you know art is open and uh don't realize that love is love right and uh but back then i mean it was a huge thing for 
much music a private broadcaster to uh, give the blessing and say, hey, let, yeah, we're all for this. And it, it showed that they were uh, they were kind of uh, ahead of things there. And uh, it, it was an, an amazing moment, as Denise shared, that, uh, you know, they had this crazy wild float and a lot of the VJs were on it and the, you know, the dancers from Electric Circus. And it, it was just yeah. a big party, party atmosphere. And uh, but it was just that fact that everyone, you know, pretty much from the uh, the head down, you know, they were like, yeah, we're, we're for this. Right. Uh, and, but Denise, I mean, she did say she got even a few threatening phone calls and, uh, mm -hmm. I went, you know, about people who, who heard about that they were doing this and you, you can imagine, right. The uh, people that, uh, you know, just filled with hatred and not, uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah. Um, fantastic moment. And, uh, another one for much music that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, great, uh, great thing they did. And, uh, you know that they they were part of that uh, another moment in in Canadian music history there for sure. Yeah, I think it's I think it's funny too because it's like if you uh, you know all those people, it's like people that tell you know Tom Morello to stop being political. You know, on Twitter, it's like, hey, keep your politics out of out of this. You know, yeah. but it's like think of all the music much was playing back then with like parachute club and Frankie goes to Hollywood and erasure and like all these, you know, they, yeah. they, they weren't, they weren't hiding their sexuality. And, right. you know, you had all these rednecks listening to it going, Hey, it's great tunes, not listening, yeah. not getting. Yeah. And then right. I was like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. Um, I was, you know, as you're reading it, I see, you know, which ones do I know? Which ones don't I know? Um, you know, so as I'm, I'm reading the story about tears are not enough, I go, yeah, I know this. And it wasn't yeah. until the end where I go, what? He made Neil Young do 13 takes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know if Neil Young has ever done 13 takes of anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he'll do it once or twice. Uh, if he has to do it a third time, he's angry. But 13 <laughs> takes, I'm surprised he stayed there. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that is a surprising piece of that story, right? I mean, but uh, it, I mean, that from everything I've read, I mean, I think, uh, you know, David Foster, I mean, his reputation speaks for himself and he, he's, he's well respected and liked in the industry. But, uh, you know, he even admits, you know, he later kind of apologized and was because he was younger then and he was a bit, uh, he was a real taskmaster and, yeah. you know. <laughs> Like most people, right? Neil Young is uh, you either love him or you don't, and a lot of it is his voice, right? And yeah. uh, so, for someone like Foster, who's worked, you know, with Celine Dion and all these uh, <laughs> people with these real pure angelic voices, you can imagine him hearing Neil and thinking, oh, "Wait, wait a second, this isn't uh, on key or something's off here." But that was Neil, <laughs> and finally, I guess he must have got it and said, "Yeah, you know, Fine, I'll, do it, I'll do it all your right, way." No. <laughs> I'll do it your way. Um, yeah. You do also say, David, so I have to ask you this about your next book. You do also say that you could have come up with 101 Neil Young interesting facts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And we know, you know, there's been a, a number of books written uh, about him. He's written a number of books himself. Um, is, is there a 101 fascinating Neil Young facts coming out sometime? I know you'd love to to get your hands on that. One. <laughs> and yes, I mean I probably could write it, but uh yeah, I don't know uh 
you never know. There's been so many. It's like, you know, I was fortunate to be down at Farm Aid this past weekend. And uh, as I mentioned before, we went on the air, like uh, surprise guest Bob Dylan. And yeah. that's the one I, I always floors me. You go to a bookstore or library and you just see how many. It's like, how can there be another book on Dylan? But uh, you never know. I mean, I think... Uh, <laughs> As I mentioned, these uh, Neil is the one I've seen in concert more than anyone else. I've definitely read a lot of books about him, and uh, I'm quite familiar with him. But uh, you know, I think that would be the challenge. What what new, what could I do or say or write that would be, you know, new or interesting? And and that is always the challenge as a writer, right? When you're That's true, you're writing yeah. about anything that uh, has been done before, you know, you you gotta bring some new perspective to it for sure. That's true. That is so true. Uh, listen, off topic, I have to ask you this, and I can't remember the actual name. Maybe it was a year ago. The 50th anniversary of, was it 50th anniversary of Heart of Gold? No, Harvest. Yep. Yeah, did Harvest. you see that? Did you see that doc? Um, that, that, was it Harvest? What was it? Oh. Yeah, it was the 50th Harvest anniversary. Harvest Time. Harvest Time. Wasn't it called Harvest yeah. Time? Yeah. 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 I went and I went and watched it with my dad and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was Yeah, uh, that was that was really, really interesting. I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but uh, uh I mean it was cool that uh I mean not surprising with Neil that he, he keeps everything that there was even this old footage of and because I wondered how can you make this whole film? I mean, obviously it was a little disjointed and but that's his kind of style that's and his everything. Style, yeah. But the fact that there was like you know, some of that behind the scenes of the recording in the barn. And that was, uh, I thought that was, you know, it was neat after all this time to yeah. see that, that footage emerge. But. Yeah. I just, I took, I took my wife and son to see that uh, in, in Toronto. And I, oh, I loved it. I was like floating after the, after that. Anyways, let's <laughs> yeah. get back to, let's get back to the podcast. <laughs> okay. Ahead. Back to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. After 40. Yeah. Lost heat wave tapes. Mm -hmm. you hear my dogs barking in the background. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really interesting to read that about the Kings. And in it, you talk about um, the fact that there were only, I think, two bands that agreed to have the recordings done. And just lately, Teenage Head has released mm -hmm. um, their recording. So I thought that was I thought that was really interesting in this. But in the book, you focus on the Kings. Re yeah. Recording. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, that was one again where it's like, okay, what's the fascinating fact here, or what what story am I going to tell? And that's where I've been very fortunate working with Dundurn Press. I mean, they always assign a really good editor, and uh, this time round was no no different. And that was one uh, area where they really helped. Was sometimes when I was maybe struggling a bit, or I, you know, you need you always need that outside perspective of someone telling you, well, this is starting to sound too much like a bio, or it's not, you know, what's that? Mm -hmm fascinating fact in there and that's um in this case though it was one where the the kings uh you know with their huge hit that finally got inducted in the songwriters hall of fame uh, that everybody knows the song but very few people know could name the act yeah. right, right. Anyway. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. one of those ones right with yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah. not one of those like two songs in one yeah um and but i thought you know that is a story in itself that I, I think has been told. So in mm -hmm. talking to the guys in the band, they came up with this uh, story of Heatwave. And A, the Heatwave Festival in itself, I'll be honest, I didn't really know about it. I, you know, mm -hmm. I probably, I, I probably was seven when this happened, right? Because it was 
in the early, I think around 80, 81. And, um, but so I thought that was a cool story in itself. So again, that could have been just the fact or something there, but then this was kind of that really, uh, the nugget mm-hmm. that was there was about, they, they basically, as you said, them and teenage head were the only ones that decided to sign and say, Hey, you can videotape this. And, uh, but then it was that I, like a lot of things you hear where somewhere along the line, these, you know, tapes ended up on some shelf in some storage facility, some, whoever the video company was and forgotten about. And, but this was a, a really, uh, had a, had a happy ending where, you know, they were looking for these tapes um, because uh, they knew Doug McClement uh, who, you know, does, has been recording for, you know, 40 plus years or more probably close to 50 in his remote truck and has all the stuff he had done the audio part of that. And so they wanted to match up the video and, uh, you know, get this to their fans. And yeah, they basically doing some detective work. Uh, Mr. Zero, who is the, you know, the lead singer, Mm -hmm. he he found out where it was. And, you know, the guy at this warehouse literally, literally said, well, I was cleaning the shelf out the other day and, you know, I went by and that's one of the ones I, I saved, but he had been thrown out. So it could have ended up at the dump somewhere, but uh, so pretty cool story. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I've seen some of the, and again, I'm a huge Teenage Head fan. So I've seen some of the, the, the video footage from then of them flying in or helicoptering in or whatever. And it's just, it's just, it's, I don't know, really cool for, for a band that at the time was relative to the other bands playing Heatwave. I think what, like, yeah. like insane, insane lineup. Um yeah, yeah I mean, you, had the, you had the Pretenders there, Elvis Costello. Like, so there was all these big U.S. bands, and yeah, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, bef- before we get uh, to to wrapping things up, I do want to. I'm wearing the shirt. We yeah. have to talk about our friend, yeah. uh, who's much like yourself, multiple multiple uh, guests on the show. Um, great story about Adrian Sutherland. Again, we talk about a lot of. You know, I don't know if pivot's the right word, but because it's overused, but sort of, you know, during COVID, people having to create a new normal in their life. And if you could just share a bit about that chapter, I don't have the number. I've been na- nailing numbers up and I didn't <laughs> write it in my notes. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, Adrian Sutherland, uh, you know, incredible uh, songwriter, artist from, uh, I, I always forget the exact. Uh, you know, name. yeah, because I, I didn't want to say it incorrectly, but it's basically as far north as you can go, like north of uh, like you need to fly in this type of community, right, to get yeah, there. Yeah. And very remote. And he, Adrian, still lives um, very much, uh, you know, on the land, goes out, yeah. uh, you know, and hunts and, you know, gets the food for the winter and everything. Um, and he, he played in a few rock bands, um, but COVID came along and he had been thinking about doing a solo record. And this was one of those examples where, I mean, you can, you know, to use another cliche, like you said, pivot that silver lining that here he is, he's stuck at home. His, his tour with his band is, uh, you know, not going to happen. And so, you know, beyond having that extra family time, he thought, well, maybe I can use this time to create. But the only problem was he didn't have a studio, right? He was like, uh, how am I going to put this record together without a studio? And uh, pretty cool using his imagination. And uh, he he remembered that he had this like old sea can 
that uh, basically, you know, the the shipping containers, right? That mm-hmm. uh, like in Toronto, they used it to create that stack market. And yep. Yep. you've seen in recent years, people reusing these things. I even saw someone build a house up uh, near our cottage uh, with one of these things. But uh, so, yeah, Adrian had this thing and uh, I think it was about 40 feet. It was pretty long and it was just kind of sitting there. And uh, he decided, yeah, he's going to re- retrofit it and, uh, you know, make it in, you know, to a little studio. And uh, that's what he did. And he, he recorded his uh, debut solo record um, right there. And then he worked uh, remotely uh, with Colin Linden, who uh, lives in Nashville. And uh, that's a, the amazing thing with technology, you know, that he was able to send files and do stuff. And uh, Colin could hook right in. And uh, yeah, another another really cool story of, like you said, someone who uh, said, all right, you know, this is the situation I'm in, you know, how can I come up with some creative way to, uh, and solution to, to create some art. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a great, a really great story I wanted to include for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Story. We had the pleasure of interviewing Adrian. Um, it was either just before the hunt or just after the hunt. And I think he took his son out or one of his sons for the first time and it was amazing because we didn't like we had no idea i think it was it was relative well i don't know I, who knows when covid when it was relatively early late whatever anyway but yeah. but i do remember you know we we really like the three of us had no idea if we were going to be able to do it just from a technology perspective because he was right. he was streaming from his studio in the can in the shipping yeah. container and it was like yeah, yeah it was amazing well yeah, quite an honor yeah absolutely yeah. He's, i love talking to him and listen it wouldn't be uh, a podcast that David would be on if we didn't tie in that last story with Neil Young. Uh, I think I discovered, I dis- <laughs> me personally, I discovered who Adrian was when he did that version of Heart of Gold. Yeah. Uh, it sure. just sure. blew me away. I, th- I think maybe my brother shared it with me and I go, that is awesome. Um, so, uh, but yeah, David, thank you so much uh, for joining yeah. us today. Um, you know, we, we asked this question, Greg asks this question uh, to musicians that, that, that join us. Might as well ask you, you're a music lover, you're a connoisseur. Um, what are you listening to these days? Old, new? Yeah, that's always a tough question because I, I try and always discover new music. I am uh, on the Polaris, uh, you know, jury. Um so through that, it's been a great experience. Uh, it, it's really opened my ears <laughs> to a mm. lot more music and different genres and styles that I normally wouldn't. And I'm fortunate, too, that, you know, through through my kids uh, as well. Um, you know, I have two teenagers and they both have quite different uh, musical tastes. But, uh, you know, uh, one band that, uh, you know, my son turned me on to and I, I went and saw them in concert in Toronto at... Uh, the concert hall a week or so ago was black country new road and huh. they just blew me away it was so unique so different i mean they um they kind of are a bit like um the canadian uh you know band uh, godspeed uh new emperor but uh it just you know they got so much going on they got uh violin they have accordion huh. they have piano drums you know uh saxophone and you know the music kind of goes to from a you know up to a crescendo and then quiets down and uh 
So that was pretty, pretty awesome. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, I do all admit, I still go back to the classic rock. Uh, there's just something about it. I, you know, I find when I'm in my car that that's probably the station I listen to the most Sirius XM, you know, the classic vinyl and, uh, I don't know, there's something timeless about all those songs and that music. And, uh, but it, you know, I'm always trying to discover new music and, uh, you know, I, I've got about probably six or 700 vinyl behind me here. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, there's never a shortage of music to listen to, that's for sure. The book is 101 Fascinating Canadian Music Facts, published by our friends at Dundurn Press. Uh, go to your local bookstore, go to your library, go online, get a copy of this book. Uh, it is it is a great read. You don't have to start from the beginning to the end. Just pick it up at a random page and discover something new. Uh, about uh, Canadian music uh, and again for those of you across the country uh, October 5th in Kitchener at uh, at the is that the main public library you're going to be there yeah yeah it's David, at 80 yeah. Queen Street uh, October 13th in Sarnia October 21st uh, in Calgary at the National Music Center uh, and October 26th here in Toronto um, our guest has been David McPherson Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always uh, fun to chat.